A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 49 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're back with John Chang to dig more into IBM's 2019 Marketing Trends Report. Mark Reed Edwards here. Today we have John Chang of IBM Watson Marketing back in to conclude our chat about the 2019 Marketing Trends Report. We will get to that in just a moment. Next time, we have my chat with Beth Monahan of Inkhouse about fear and the future of PR. Then Professor Francesca Gino of Harvard Business School joins me to talk about her book, Rebel Talent. Went over to HBS to record this a couple weeks ago. I think you'll enjoy it. We also have Alex Withers of In Motion Now on the schedule to talk about his firm's in-house creative management survey. There is a big trend in our business to in-house creative, so this is a timely discussion. I'm recording interviews several times a week, and the discussions are really good. So I'm building up a backlog of them, thinking we might go to episodes twice a week for at least a while, and maybe we won't take a break over the summer. Just figuring all that out. Not sure about it, but I'll let you know as plans come together. Needless to say, lots more in store, so stay tuned. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the innovation podcast, the iPod, we call it, with Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. Okay, let's get into the second part of my chat with John Chang of IBM about the 2019 Marketing Trends Report. Today, we talk about agile marketing, the blending of MarTech and ad tech, customer centricity, and the emotion economy. Plus, we get Jonathan's takeaways from the report and trends he's watching in 2019 and beyond. Great chat, so let's get to it. Jonathan, good to have you back to continue our discussion of the 2019 IBM Marketing Trends Report. Thank you for having me. So excited to talk through the rest of these trends. Well, let's dig in and get to trend number six. Agile marketing adoption accelerates driving marketing outcomes and culture. Tell me about that one. Yeah, if you're not familiar with agile marketing, the premise is fairly simple. It means that we're aligning to a rapid iteration of marketing cycle meaning we have a formal process to assess data, to launch campaigns and optimize and hold ourselves accountable for actually improving campaigns from a week-to-week or a semi-monthly basis. Top, top, top level view for this. Agile marketing, I think we're getting to a point where it's just marketing. So it's almost redundant to say agile marketing. That's at least our hope in the future. But it's accelerating because we're seeing that marketers and the way that consumers interact with marketing 
needs tighter iterations. We're seeing that, all right, well, our creative is becoming stale a little bit faster. We are seeing that user behavior in Lexicon is evolving faster as well. So for that reason, we need greater shifts and changing changes in priorities and to have marketers with greater technical skill sets to adopt more so product sprints. So there's a great book by Google called Sprint, and it talks about a five-day sprint and how development teams actually manage that. And now marketers are waking up and saying, well, we need to do similar things. We need to operate like these product and developer organizations. And there's a great quote. We had a quote from Alexis Ohanian last episode, and this one you include from Scott Brinker, who writes in his book, Hacking Marketing. Agile marketing at its heart is about giving individual marketers and small marketing teams greater ownership of their work and significant latitude in how they achieve their goal. It operates on trust and transparency more than command and control. Those two words there, trust and transparency, are really interesting in a marketing context. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because it's not it's not necessarily talking about the relationship with the consumer. It's talking about internal relationships. And first of all, Scott Brinker, we love him. He's really this like godfather of agile marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so trust and transparency, part of the foundations for agile marketing is clearly defining your objectives and your key results early. So perhaps their OKRs um, doesn't necessarily need to be that way, but some form of that model and that concept. So trust and transparency, it's not saying like, oh, we're going to have a million clicks this month and then all of a sudden um, we're only held to that standard. But it helps us as an organization and a marketing team align on what do we actually consider success, which also, yeah. I mean, a lot of these things that I've been talking about sound basic, but they just aren't present in most marketing organizations and the way that they talk about how they want to operate. Instead, they're talking about quarterly goals or year over year, but this breaks it down into how are you going to achieve what kinds of goals this week or during the next two weeks. So one, it's a little more intentional about how we think about our goals and our results. And that then by default creates trust and transparency across the organization because that exercise and practice communicates it to our tangential organizations internally, such as product development, performance marketing, if they're not part of this, data, and so forth. Yeah, that's, it's, it's really fascinating. All of this stuff is really interesting, but I think that trend number seven is something that seems to just make sense. MarTech and ad tech finally get together and create the holy grail of marketing, not the Monty Python movie, but the holy <laughs> grail of marketing. Can you tell me about that one? I do love Monty Python. However, maybe during a different episode, I can come back and just make complete <laughs> analogies to that movie. I'm yeah, sure that yeah. we can make it happen. Yeah, I, I'm so excited to talk about this trend because it does just make sense. We have had separate disciplines for marketing tech and advertising tech. And I think part of the reason why they've been separate is for technical reasons. It's been hard to integrate. And in addition to that, the data is slightly different. So it's required additional internal and external resources to bridge the relationships. However, 
conceptually, absolutely makes sense. The kind of marketing that we do is now only enhanced by in advertising and vice versa. If you're using programmatic, for example, and you're optimizing for the cheapest and the best in the kind of the Venn diagram of the two placements across the display network, then it only behooves you to build a stronger narrative by also using a MarTech stack. So perhaps the user is interacting with these native ads across the internet and these programmatic advertisements. How then would you pair that with your social strategy? your email strategy, your mobile strategy. These are all things that only enhance your marketing efficiency, your ROI by pairing them together. Yeah. And then all of this kind of comes together, I think, in trend number eight, because it's all about the customer. And trend number eight is customer centricity will drive constant transformation. Is that transformation of your marketing? Is that transformation of your organization? Uh, Can you go into that? I think it's everything. So, I mean, of the organization and the marketing, I tackle those two separately to start and we can move on from there too. I mean, internally, I mean, I've heard a bunch, even when I was taking like business classes a long, long time ago, that no margin, no business, which gives us, all right, great. Like I understand that a business needs to exist, but now I think what we're seeing is that no customers, no business, and you need to focus on both of those things. So if that changes fundamentally how we are thinking as an organization and pursuing your goals, then how do you get customers and how do you retain customers? It's not like marketers haven't thought about this before, but one thing I said earlier in the first episode of these podcasts is that Customers, they the benchmark for quality of experience is greater than it was before because customers are not only comparing you against your competitors, but today they're comparing you against their best experience. So if they are getting on-demand ride-sharing service, which is a phenomenal experience, then your app and your service is expected to be as seamless and as frictionless as something like that. So... If we're looking at both of those sides, we need customers to exist and customer expectations for our service is astronomically higher than it has been in the past. Then our transformation in melding the two together needs to make sure that our service, our product and what we're selling and how we interact with our users is as good as an Instagram is as good as a ride sharing service. So that's the premise of what we're talking about here and what customer centricity means from a top-level perspective. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. I think the final trend kind of captures something that is going on in society today. And it's trend number nine. In the emotion economy, purpose creates loyalty. What have you done for others lately? Fill me yes. in on that one because it could be a minefield, but it's it really reflects what's going on in society today. Yeah, this is what I would consider kind of a greater trend, not necessarily because it's bigger, but because it expands 
further past marketing. So I think that's what you're kind of alluding to is that like a lot of the headlines in the last couple of years call for greater trust and uh, yeah, call for greater trust and social impact from organizations. And this is also coupled with a mass oversaturation in most industries. If you look at the iOS store alone, I can't even remember how many apps are on there now, but it's a ridiculous amount. And yeah. there's another, if you ever want to drive this point home as well, just Google grocery store image because now you're actually seeing just how many products are in the average grocery store. And that's contained in a physical location, let alone something like the app store. So if there's a complete oversaturation and you're trying to have a competitive edge, then one, from a business perspective, you do need to find ways that are competitive, not just in contacting users and how you're building an overall narrative, but it's what that narrative actually is. So now to tie it all together, customers expect organizations to really have a soul in 2019. And that means things like aligning with their own beliefs. Overall, marketing in the last multiple decades has won if the customer has seen a reflection of themselves within the brand. Because the definition of a brand in general is having authenticity when what they do is what they say. So now the doing and the saying are like, well, how are you impacting the world? Converse, for example, they have a free recording studio in Brooklyn for independent artists, and that's one of their target demographics. So they're supporting independent musicians, and they're just like, we're going to do this for free, and we're going to help you out. In addition to that, one of the things I mentioned earlier is ride-sharing services. There's, If you look at the top competition, one of the ride-sharing services is constantly through their marketing talking about how they're supporting different kinds of communities and how they are using their profits to give back to communities and around the world. And we measure stuff like that to see, wow, customers are churning from competitors to flock to organizations that actually do great work for the community. Carhartt has a program as well where they volunteer and they help organizations and communities rebuild public spaces like parks. And then Patagonia has an entire subdomain on their site that talks about their corporate social responsibility. So these are all things that are, one, just good for the world, but now, and we shouldn't do it in a manipulative way as marketers, but we need to align what we do in the authentic way with what the users and their customers see in themselves and what they value in the world. Yeah, and I think across B2B and B2C, people make purchase decisions based on visceral kind of internal reactions. And it's very important to take that into account that these are human beings making purchasing decisions. And they do it for for just those reasons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how I operate as a consumer. I'm not sure if I'm the quintessential consumer either. But when I'm prompted to give the extra change of an order to a charity, I absolutely do that. And there, I can actually think of half a dozen services that offer that feature. And it makes me feel better about being a consumer there. Other things we think about are carbon footprints. So even Tesla and what they do in market is to reduce carbon footprints. So these are all hot topics, but they're also things that people legitimately and deeply believe in. And one thing we write about in the trend is Nike's initiative with Colin Kaepernick. 
and using that to drive the next generation of consumers. And I love this example in particular and why I say next generation of consumers because they they had people on social media filming themselves burning Nike apparel. And on the <laughs> yeah, and also on social, they had an entirely new demographic activated. So um, we linked to a couple of reports within our report, a little meta here. But what we found out from others' analysis is that the people who were burning the shoes were essentially a slightly older demographic. And then the people who are now their new customers were a slightly younger demographic. And arguably, the younger demographic is much harder to win over and much harder to market to because of this reason of the emotion economy and having purpose. So what they did was absolutely brilliant. They ended up ultimately generating $43 million of revenue from essentially a single tweet from Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And in doing so, they've also future-proofed their marketing for the next, let's say, decade because they're having teenagers who are now bought in who are only gaining purchase power as they get older and only gaining additional disposable income as they get older as well. Fascinating. So that's trend number nine, and it's it's been great going through all of these trends together. What are your takeaways from the report? What do you think this all means? Yeah, there are so many takeaways, but if I really want to boil it down, I think that marketers need to get smarter. And that means a lot of things, such as they need to get smarter about how internal processes are organized, such as are we actually an agile organization? Do we have the right kinds of staff like a director of marketing? And do we have the right kinds of skill sets that might build up to what we consider marketer? And then on the other side about being smart, it's when we go to market, are we actually listening to the needs of our consumers and how does that match up with the ways that we can be authentic ourselves? So if you th just think about those two things, I think you can tie together all nine trends, even things like MarTech and AdTech, because that requires us to reassess our internal processes and what kinds of tools and systems we want to use. So any final advice for marketers here in 2019 or beyond? Just stay on top of things. Uh, be excited about these trends. It's very easy to be pessimistic about things like GDPR, but it's our jobs as marketers to operate in this wild, wild west. And if you're going to survive, then you need to be enthusiastic and find the silver lining here, which I think should be easy and absolutely exists. We're just bogged down by so much negativity that surrounds us about changes. So if it's things like Becoming a marketer and gaining skill sets, yeah, that's hard, but you should be excited. And that's why we get into marketing. We want to be constantly challenged. We want to know that the way that we use data for hyper-personalization needs to be different in 2019. So let's get together, tackle it, and make both marketing and the world a better place. And change is fun, right? That's why you're in the business. Yeah. If everything was going to be done the same, what's the point? Exactly. Turbulent, but fun. <laughs> that, that is, yeah, one and the same. I kind of like being on an airplane when there's turbulence. It's a free kind of fun ride. So this is why I do this career. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. You know what? I love metaphors. So I'm glad we're doing this because like now, now we, we're literally shaking things up if it's turbulent as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me for this great discussion. Really appreciate it. And I'm sure, you know, my listeners got a lot out of it and I'm sure we'll get a lot of reaction to it. Thank you for having us. 
thanks to Jonathan for being here. Next time, it's episode 50, if you can believe that, and it'll be a special episode as we have my chat with Beth Monahan of Ink House about fear and the future of PR. Stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time.